I was very anxious about coming. And one of the reasons that I was so anxious was about preaching. Now, I had been a I had preached for four years in my previous churches, and they liked my sermons well enough, I guess. They put up with a number that I'd just as soon never see the light of day again. But I thought, well, maybe I'd have to do something differently here, that, that my style, and you know I have a different style uh, than, than, other, than other preachers, um, would have to change something. And so I was very nervous about coming here. But I have to say that I remember that the thir- it was a Thursday or Friday, and I was at a Pruitt class picnic, I think. And I see some of the Pruitt class folks here today and, and love you guys. And they had a picnic out at the pavilion, and Quentin and Becky Schultz were there. And, and I was talking to Quentin Sharon, and I was very nervous, and I thought I'd ask him for something because, you know, he had preached here for 16 years. And, and Quentin just said this. He said, you know, the thing about centenary is they just love to hear the word of God. And so I thought instead of talking about you and me, we'd talk about God today and we'd talk about the word of God. And I hope that never changes here because I think that's foundational to this church. And so I invite you to turn with me in God's word if you have your paper copy or your phone or if you're watching at home. And by the way, hello, we're glad you're with us if you're watching us on Facebook Live. I want invite you to turn with us to uh, Genesis chapter 18, and we'll read the first uh, few verses of Genesis 18, and then we'll go down to verse 9 through 15. Hear this word from, word from God's word today. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. And then in verse 9, They said to him, Where is your wife Sarah? And he said, There, in the tent. And then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. So Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age, and it had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a son now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, oh yes, you did laugh. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I thought we'd have something funny today to end, uh, end our time together. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that today your Holy Spirit would come and make the word come alive in our souls and our spirits. For if your Holy Spirit speaks to us, Lord, nothing else matters. But if your Holy Spirit does not speak, Lord, nothing else matters. And so speak to us, Lord, we pray, for we, your children, are listening. And Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our strength, and through Christ you are our salvation. Amen. Well, I thought if there's a lesson that the year 2020 has taught us, 
By the way, I'm done learning lessons in 2020. Any of you learned done yet? Um, 2020 has taught us a lesson. It is that things don't go like you expected. Do you feel that? Now, I have to admit that when I started this year, I had a sense that it would be possible that uh, we might be leaving in June. I was in my fourth year, and usually associates don't stay more than three years, but because we transitioned senior pastors last year, I was uh, given a a, a one-year stay here. But I have to admit that when I looked forward to this day, I didn't know it was going to quite be like this. It's so good to see so many of you here, but I see you behind masks, which is surprisingly difficult to connect with you when I'm preaching. I did not realize that. Um, the masks, um, but, but they're, they're good, they're right. We need to be wearing them right now in this place. Um, and then I didn't, and, and I thought maybe we could sing. The title is, some of you who love hymns know that this title comes from a hymn. It comes from one of my three favorite hymns. And I hoped we could sing it together, but you'll have to sing it another day in the time to come. So things are different. Things aren't what we expect. But yet I believe that even in the midst of unexpected things, God is at work. Take this story that we just read, which I think is one of the most amusing stories in all of the Bible. This story of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah are people who God had called six chapters earlier in chapter 12 for him to leave his nation, and he was a wanderer, and to wander until he goes to the place that God had given him. And in faith, as we see here and also in the book of Hebrews, Abraham set out not knowing the destination. We know Abraham is a man of faith. But then here... We even, and then later, we see that Abram is not, that's, Abraham's not his original name, it's Abram, and God changes his name to Abraham uh, to be the father of many nations. And so here in chapter 18, though, we think, why is this so strange? The man who God says is going to be the father of many nations is going to become a father. What's strange about that? Well, you see that God had told him that, and so the people, so Abraham, like you and me, decided that if it's going to happen, I'll have to make it happen. And so, in a story that I've always thought proves that the author of Genesis was a man, he sa- it says that Sarah suggested, why don't you have a child with one of our servants? Only a guy would come up with that idea, I think. And they do, and so I guess when he says, Father, he says, oh, I have this son, Ishmael, and through him I will be the father of a great nation, and he was, he is, through Ishmael, but that was not God's plan. You see, God had a plan that was more than he could imagine. See, God had a plan that even Sarah who we're told was 90 years old, nine zero is going to have a child. I don't know if any of you are 90. Well, I think there's at least one person I see here who's 90 or, or, or more. 
and another that are probably close, but I don't know, and another who's a little past 90. I look around, and I wonder how many of you plan to have children in the next year or two. Anyone up for that? You say, no, it's impossible. Stories, and you're skeptical when a 68-year-old woman in India has a child, much less someone who's 90, and with apologies to scholars who think that the people in the ancient world weren't that smart, they understood this. They knew that 90-year-olds don't have children. It is biologically impossible. But yet, we have a God who delights in bringing things out of the impossible. That's what this story is all about, a God who deals in impossibility. Because that's the nature of God himself. You see, God is, 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 someone, is not just the greatest thing we can imagine, but God transcends our imagination. God goes beyond even in the darkest times. We see that in, in Scripture when Sarah thought that her time had passed and the opportunity to have a people of her own had passed, God provided when we see the story of Israel, when they, when they finally leave bondage and slavery in Egypt, they go and this Red Sea is at their back and the Egyptian army, the greatest army of the world, is bearing down on them and God rescued them through the sea an impossible way. Scientists try to explain how it could be possible the winds could go this way or that or whatever, But the author wants you to know it's impossible but for God. The psalmist reminds us that in the wilderness that this is a God who changed the salt flats into a flowing spring. And this is a God who brings impossible things to happen. This is a God who is able to do, as, our, right, as Paul reminds us in Ephesians, abundantly, far more. He's piling up adjectives here. Abundantly, far more than we can ask or even imagine. And that's the story, isn't it, that I want to leave you with. The story of a God who is able You know something? I've been thinking about this this week. I think what makes Centenary a great church is not this building, though it is amazing. It's not the services, the music, or the preaching, though that's good. The music, by the way, very good. Wonderful today. I love that. But what makes this good is one core conviction that has made all the difference in this church. And it is the difference, I believe, between mediocre churches, of which there are countless, and great churches, of which there are too few. And here's the difference. When trouble comes, when struggles come, mediocre churches say we can't, and great churches say God can. Did you hear that? Mediocre churches say we can't. Great churches say God can. That's a story of this church. I was talking after the first service with Quentin, and, and I've heard this story many times when we built this building. Some of you were around then. The consultant said we couldn't do it. Whose idea was it to build a 26,000 square foot building in the middle of a recession? 
So many churches would have said, we can't. But at Centenary, we believe God can. And we praise God. Just a couple of years ago, this church building is totally paid for and to, to dedicated to the glory of God. That's just one example I can think of, of countless examples in this church about how we have said that, you know, maybe we can't, but God can. God is able. That's what makes this church great, and I hope we'll never lose that, that confidence that God is able to do far more than we can ask or imagine. And that confidence that God is able will make all the difference, not just in our church, but in your life. Make a difference in your life. You see, all of us have a universal problem, and that's called sin. You hear me talk about that every time. And I don't need to talk about it too much because you already know that it's true. We're not the kind of people who feel like we have to preach over and over what bad people you are. Because the truth is, you and I all know that we have struggles, we have sorrows. You and I know, we know deep down when we recognize and acknowledge inside ourselves that we are not yet the people that God wants us to be. And that everyone is like that, that it is a universal malady. And I praise God that in the last week that, the, that we have been awakened as a nation to the reality that sin is among us. I praise God we have the mainstream media talking about sin. When did that happen? We recognize that. We recognize that as a nation we have not always treated all people as created in the image of God. We have not always treated all people and there are ways that that has come generation by generation down through the ages. And we know that we are not yet and we commit ourselves how we commit ourselves to wondering how can we live out that promise of our nation. I'm not going to talk I'm not talking about this too much but simply to say that we recognize that as a nation uh, that there is an impact that sin has on others. We name it and we're able to see it and I praise God for that because when we see it we can acknowledge it and that can be a step to healing. So what do I mean when I say that? That we live in a world where we are broken and we say, you know what, I can't do anything. And so some people say, well, if you have a problem in your life, you just need to try harder, you need to get better, change your strategy, do more. But how many of you have found that that doesn't work? How many of you have tried a diet before? That's just me, maybe that's just me. And we find it's hard because we're not able. But the tr- and just think, if that's just one facet, think about your eternal soul And the good news is that when we are not able, God is able. That's the story we proclaim. That's the gospel we proclaim, is that while we were still sinners, while we were still strugglers, Christ Jesus died for us. That's why that's central to our faith. That's why that's the central message we proclaim, that in all our sorrow, in all our struggle, we may not be able, but God is able to do abundantly far more than we can ask or imagine. That we, we're in a world that God loves so much that he sent his only son Jesus, born of the Virgin Mary, conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit as the creeds teach us. And you say to me, well, that's impossible. Well, of course it's impossible. That's the point. I, heard, I once heard a prominent so-called scholar say, you know, in the, in the, in the first millennium, in the first century, they didn't know that, uh, they didn't know how babies came to be. Of course they knew how babies came to be. And that's why the story is so outrageous. 
that it transcends all the laws of biology, that when hum- by human standards impossible, yet with God, God is able. And, that, and that, that story of that glorious resurrection of Jesus after we saw him hanged on the cross, we say it violates the number one rule that when people are dead, when people die, they're dead. But yet three days later, what man said was impossible, God said, I am able. And the power of sin that has enslaved us from the beginning, that leads to death, that final end, that power has been defeated. And so sin and death, which, we are, which no matter how many doctors we see, no matter how, how, many, how many diets we're on, no matter how much exercise we get, we all face that same end. And yet for God, God says, I am able. Do you hear what I'm saying here? That that's the gospel, that's the good news, that in the midst of our sorrows, in the midst of our struggles, God comes to us where we are. And he offers to pull us up. I look around here and I see so many people who have suffered in the last four years together. Lost spouses and even children. Parents and loved ones. People whose lives have been uprooted. And he didn't know how to make it. And yet God is able. Now are things perfect? No, but God gives you the strength to bear each day. And that's the good news, that what is by humankind impossible, God is able. That's the message. That's the only message I can think to leave you with today. That don't lose that message, that message of the gospel, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That when we were struggling, when we were down in the mud, God sent Jesus to pull us up. When Jesus walked out of that tomb, all of death and hell shuddered and closed their doors. Don't lose the message. When you're backed into the corner, when you don't know how to make it, know that God is able and God can work in ways far abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. I'm glad that in a moment we're going to be able to receive Holy Communion together. You know, one of the things I love about Holy Communion, and we believe in the United Methodist Church that in Holy Communion, that God comes to the bread and to the cup, even when they're packaged in little individual-sized containers. We believe that God comes in a special way and that Jesus is with us when we break the bread and when we drink the cup. That in the bread and the cup, Jesus is there. And you say, that sounds crazy. And it does. But yet God is able. And here's why I think it's good news that if God can come to a loaf of bread and a glass of grape juice and make them holy, maybe God can come to me and you and make us holy. If possibly God can use bread and cup as a means of grace, how much more might God be able to use human flesh and blood like yours and mine to be a means of grace to the world? You say, that's impossible, but God is able. And so I just want to give an invitation, just right now, before we celebrate communion, 
I want to plead with you, whether you're in this room or you're watching online, if you have not yet trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you say, I got too much going on, I can't do anything about it, I want to tell you, with man it is impossible, but with God, God is able. So I invite anyone, if you have has not yet said yes to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I would hope that nobody listening on this last day would leave without knowing Jesus personally. You say, how can I do that? You just invite him in. You just reach out to him. There's no special phrase. There's no prayer that is the right prayer, but it's just you crying out in your heart, I need you in the midst of my sorrow. You don't need him once you've cleaned up because you're not gonna get there. You need him today. And so invite him into your heart by faith. Trust and believe. And then, when we can trust and believe what is impossible, we can say with the songwriter, let's ponder anew what the Almighty can do, who with his love doth befriend thee. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you come to us in the impossible and in the struggles of our life. We thank you that you are here with us right now. And Father, there are those here who are in the midst of impossible times. And so, Father, come to them. Father, there are some who are listening right now that they don't yet know your son Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And some in this room maybe, that today would be a day they would open their hearts and they would receive that gospel at the point of their need wherever they are. Father, we thank you that in the bread and the cup you make holy, you might also make us holy. And so set us apart for your purpose, for your work, and your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I'm going to invite, we're going to come together and I invite you to this table. Normally we'd have you come forward, but today you received one of these when you came in. I'm going to invite you to hold on to them. We'll receive together in a few minutes after we say the Lord's Prayer together. We'll receive first the bread and then the cup separately. And I want to give you a little hint with this before we begin. The secret to these is to separate the cellophane from the cardboard. All I got to say, bend the cardboard down, they'll pop apart. If you can master that, you'll be able to open them. We'll be able to come together. So let's not, we don't need to receive yet. Let's celebrate together this great feast. For we remember in this meal that on the night that Christ gave himself up for us, he took bread from the table. And when he had given thanks for it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, This is my body given for you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And we remember that that night after the supper was over, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks for it and he blessed it and gave it and poured out the the wine and he said, This is my cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins as often as you drink it. Remember me. And so, Father, we come here today in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ. And we come and we offer ourselves to you in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. And so we pray, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup.
Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body and blood of Christ. And now, by your Holy Spirit, Lord, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at your heavenly banquet table. For it is by your Holy Spirit, Lord, and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now, with the confidence of children of God, let us pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.